0: Join over 5,000 attendees for the largest AI event in Asia, Super AI in Singapore, June 5th and 6th, 2024. Edward Snowden, Benedict Evans, Balaji Srinivasan, and over 150 others will hit the stage, joining the industry's most influential to explore and unveil the next wave of transformative AI technologies. Singapore will become a vibrant AI hub for a full week from June 3rd to the 9th, with over 150 side events that will make for unparalleled networking opportunities. Visit superai.com for 20% off tickets with the code REALVISION. Look for the link in the description. Is the recession forecast wrong? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Jim Bianco, president of Bianco Research. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm doing great, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Great, great. Well, it's going to be a very interesting week. Sort of small, kind of muted moves, I'd say, across most of the major markets today as investors mark time ahead of Big inflation data, and of course, the Fed meeting this week. Stocks up, bond yields up slightly, but you can tell everyone's just really waiting. What are you expecting from Jay Powell Wednesday?
1: Um, I think he'll do what he does best. He'll have an emotional reaction to tomorrow's uh, CPI report, is basically where he'll be. Uh, he's got to, though, in all seriousness, he's got to, uh, you know, a fine line, he's got to walk. Yeah, things are getting better. I'm going to take victory, a victory lap. We finally licked inflation. I don't think he has, but, you know, or something like that. But he doesn't want to unleash the animal spirits and have the stock market soar and have, you know, the everything rally that we've seen continue. And why not? Because, you know, if, you know, a lot of people here follow crypto, he doesn't want everybody feeling frisky and going out and buying Lambos because that's going to wind up pushing up prices and creating an overheated economy. So. He's kind of want to say that things are going well, but they we might not be done raising rates, but maybe possibly, you know, and kind of thread that needle. The problem he's been facing lately is he's been trying to do that, and the market's not been listening to him. Yeah. You know, he's been mumbling that maybe we're done, maybe we're not done, and the market's like, no, you're done, Jay. You're well, Rally on, guys. He's done. He, don't, don't pay attention to anything he says. He's done. And that's the problem that he faces right now.
0: Yeah, and part of that, of course, is driven by the fact that we have seen inflation coming down. It's kind of been a regular drumbeat. We've seen some indications of the economy weakening. Listen, we've had indications in some parts of the economy for a while, but now that those two are coming together, that narrative really caught fire, right? But there's still a divide out there, it seems like. Certainly, I think more so on our platform, because we encourage people to come with divergent views. But, um, you know, if you listen, but certainly I think with with analysts and economists broadly that you have camps, right? One is that this is the recession we've waiting for. It's finally coming. We're finally seeing prices roll over and it's gonna continue. And then some of them think all the way to a recession. And then we can debate about whether it's a severe one or not, or a shallow one. But then there are others that say, hang on a second. I do not think this inflation dragon's tamed in any way, shape or form. I think the market's wrong about that. They got way, way ahead of themselves. Julian Brigden and Rao, I think, typify that divide. They're they're in opposite camps on this. They just sort of battled it out on our recent Macro Insiders last week. Let's play a clip from Julian and then we'll talk on the other side.
2: Okay, so the models are telling me that if anything, the most we've had is a mid-cycle slowdown, okay? Now, the only problem I've got with that is that I think there is an
3: enormous
2: disconnect between what policymakers are saying and what markets are hearing and what markets are focused on. So, markets are hearing inflation, 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 inflation. They're looking at the numbers and the numbers are coming down, right? What they aren't hearing is um, what the policymakers are actually saying. And the policymakers are saying, fine, inflation is one thing, but broad aggregate demand needs to continue to slow. And my concern is that we're not yet out of the woods. And that's why I said I still think this is a trading market, Raoul, because if we're right and the models, well, let's just say if the models are right, okay, and, and we are seeing a cyclical upturn, then the risk is... That the rate cuts that are priced into all of these curves, and they're enormous, right? Enormous, don't fucking happen at all. So the models are telling me that if anything.
0: Mm-hmm. So you can watch that full debate on our website. Just head over and find out how to become a member or upgrade to get that. The three of them uh, get together once a month and and sort of uh, discuss or duke it out. You could say. Uh, um- but but it's always a really interesting and informative conversation. So, Jim, where do you come down on this debate?
1: Uh, I'm probably closer to where Julian is. Um, you know, I've been of the opinion that um, there's going to be no recession, that the slowdown you're seeing in the economy is the natural reaction to a 5% third quarter growth rate. Uh, we, we're going to slow below trend. But I think when you average the two quarters out in the previous quarters before it, what I think is coming next is you're going to have probably trend to slightly above trend growth. That means two, two and a half percent or so, maybe high twos on GDP. That's what we've done in the last year, and I think we will continue to do it. But where I probably diverge most with people like Raul and a lot of other people is that I think inflation's bottoming here and now at 3%. I think this is about as good as it's going to get. Uh, And that all the calls that that's it, we're going to take the victory lap. You're taking the victory lap at the bottom is what I'm Mm -hmm. afraid of. Now, can we get 2% inflation? Sure, if we get a severe slowdown in the economy. But if my first half is right that we don't see a slowdown in the economy and you wind up with, say, three-ish or so on inflation, by the way, the three-month moving averages have all bottomed out on inflation and all all the, the metrics that we use seem to have bottomed out here. Um, with the exception of gasoline, but then, you know, if you could predict gasoline, you, you're going to be Elon Musk wealthy anyway because you'll be able to make so much money on it. And so if gasoline rebounds, especially we'll see in the first half of next year, we'll see uh, the inflation rate probably trend closer to four. So what I'm arguing is if we get to 2.5% growth, we get 3 3.5% inflation, that's 5 to 6% nominal growth and you know I've been arguing now throughout this entire decline from when late October, well before, but also since late October, when we hit 5% in the 10-year note, I still think we're going back to 5.5 by the, somewhere in 2024, and that the, up, the uptrend in yields is not over. And the last thing I'll mention about the uptrend in yields are so two quick things. One, I don't think that these rates are punishing. I don't think that this argument that real rates are 2% or so, and that that's punishing, and that as the inflation rate comes down, that means real rates get wider. Real rates are the in- interest rate after inflation. So if, if interest rates hold steady and inflation falls, real rates get increased, that that somehow will hurt the economy. Uh, we're at real rate levels that are still below average of what we saw before QE in 2009. 2000s, the 1990s, it was a fine economy with 2 or 3% growth. The other argument that you hear from people is upside down. Well, we can't see rates go up because the government's borrowed so much debt. Um, No, that's why we're going to see rates go up. Because if your argument is we've borrowed too much money, so therefore interest rates can't go up, so then the consequence of that is so we can borrow even more money and borrow even more money. And the only thing that stops the borrowing is high interest rates. So if the argument is we've borrowed too much money, full stop, then the consequence of that is higher interest rates to stop the borrowing, not to support more borrowing, because borrowing is stimulative and that is inflationary. So everything I add up is, I still think the uptrend in interest rates is still going higher. Uh, and that I don't think that they're at punishing levels. There's an old line in the markets, right, that um, re- um, you know usually something breaks an economy to go into recession, whether it's COVID, a spike in oil prices, a financial crisis like 2008, everybody's thinking now that the thing that's going to break the economy is higher interest rates. Um, If if the S&P is at 3,500, you've got an argument. With the S&P at 4,600, it's telling you that these interest rates are not punishing. And that's why I think that the trend in rates will continue higher.
0: Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily
3: Briefing. I think we all know by now, things are pretty fucked out there, for most of us. You see, whether it's currency debasement, rising real estate prices, or wages that never go up, it's really hard. And one of the most popular things we ever did was that series, How to Unfuck Your Future. So we're going to do it again, March 11th, March 22nd. We'll discuss the problems at hand, no holds barred, and then we'll give you all the tips you need Unfuck your future. It just costs a dollar to join Real Vision to get access to all of this content. Go to Realvision.com forward slash the future. I'll see you there. Let's unfuck your future together.
0: There's a lot to unpack there. I just want to really draw a line under where you see Treasury Treasuries going because we're looking at a tenure right now that's at 4.24%. It was under 4.2. To get back to 5.5. That's another huge move that seems like no one is positioned for right now.
1: Well, there's two things about that. One, you know, I, I joke about this internally all the time that we see these 10, 15 basis point moves in uh, the bond market, sometimes closer to 20 in a day, a couple of t- times a week. Mm. And I always joke internally, like I said, I, I'm old enough to remember when that used to be a good month. And now we do that, you know, every other day. Yeah. Friday, Friday, we had a giant move. So, you know, the way this bond market works right now is is just like we saw in late October when it gets ready to go. Oh, it's four point two four. It's four point two six. It's four point eight. What just happened? How did it, that's the way it moves. Or if it wants to go in the other way, it's four point two one. It's four point two. You think it's going to go down? It's three seventy five. And that's the way that it seems to work over and over again. So when it gets ready to move, it will move. And as far as five and a half goes, let's remember the high in the 10-year yield was 503 on October 27th. So that's only 47 basis points above the old high that we set um, in October. I know there's a narrative going around, we'll never see 5% again, um, brought to you by the same people that said, we'll never see 4% again back in the spring. Um, so I, like I said, I'm bearish. I've been wrong on this market now for mm-hmm. six or seven weeks. Uh, everything I look at says to me there's nothing wrong with the economy, inflation's going to be sticky, and that the path to interest rates is going to be higher, and the stock market is telling me it's okay with that because it never really seemed to have a problem. Yeah, we did have a 10% correction for one day in late October when we hit 5% rates, but then all it took was 80 basis points to get the stock market back to new yearly highs. So the way I interpret that is it doesn't have a problem with it. So if no one's got a problem with interest rates going up, I
0: think they are going to continue to head higher. So what drives inflation higher from here, Jim? What, what's the impetus that's pushing that inflation up that the Fed needs to worry about, like a re reignites inflation? Well, I think the
1: big one is services and wages. Those are the two big things that are driving um, the inflation level. The, the wage numbers are still around 4% um what you know think about it this way if if wages are growing at four percent a year you're getting a four percent raise the average person's getting a four percent raise that means you could pay four percent inflation so what happens in four percent inflationary environment is you get the same amount of you get, you go to the grocery store you buy the same things you bought a year ago except everything's four percent more expensive and you got a four percent raise so the impetus of higher wages is pushing and now why are wages going higher it's it, to me, if you look at the market with the very low um, uh, initial claims numbers, the very low number of people on unemployment insurance, oh, they're 52-week highs. Yes, they're, but they're, but as a percentage of the workforce, they're some of the lowest numbers we've seen in 60 years in terms of 1% of the workforce is on unemployment insurance right now. That is microscopically low is what we've seen. The payroll report, 17 of the last 20 months is the expectations, which tells you that Wall Street is struggling to understand this market. We've had a 20-year high in labor strikes, and everybody's getting the the wage increases they're asking for. For healthcare workers in California, the, the minimum wage now is $25 an hour, which means eventually the minimum wage for everything in California is going to be $25 an hour, and eventually the minimum wage everywhere is going to be $25 an hour in short order this market is a this labor market is a market where employees have the upper hand that's why we talk about labor hoarding and other uh, things about like remote work even the federal government the federal government is trying to get everybody in DC back to the office 4 days a week and they're quitting so they're backing off of it right now because so many people are quitting because when people quit that means they're comfortable that they can find another job. When they're comfortable that they can find another job, they spend. And when they spend, we get growth in the economy. And that's been the surprising resilience. So wages is, is, is a big one. Services is a big one as well, too. And on the goods side, remember, goods is only about 20 or 30 percent of what we spend our money on, although we think it's more. Most of what we spend our money on is services. I still see indications that goods are bottoming. Yes, goods have been deflationary. They've been deflationary for six months. Um, And yet we still have 3% inflation with goods Mm -hmm. deflationary. And I think there's an argument to be made that they're closer to bottoming and maybe turning around. And there might be some early indications that the supply chain, which everybody says now, is gone completely the other way and is a complete, you know, is, is a glut of too much and and container prices are very low, and all of that is true, that those might be bottoming and they might be steady, starting back up. So that's where you get the inflation. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about 8.10 or Zimbabwe inflation here. I'm talking about 3. I'm talking about 3.5. And, and we're already at year-over-year inflation right now is 3.2. And it's probably going to be 3.1-ish after tomorrow's number unless there's a big surprise. So we're already in the low threes to begin with, and I'm saying it's going to stay here, maybe go higher, and that's your impetus for a five and a half percent bond yield when you do all of the math. Even though that sounds like a a mesmerizing number.
0: Yeah, you know, it's I think what makes this confusing, and this is it's important what you say, right? Because the, that wage component is the thing the Fed worries about the most, because unlike supply driven inflation, where supply chains clear up and Shortages clear up and you see those prices go down. Wage inflation sticks, right? People don't give up their wages, so that's always been the the thing that the central banks fear the most. But when you hear what when you when you see that, I don't know if anyone uh, who's sitting in the U.S. caught the news, but CBS News and um, YouGov came out with a poll, um, and it was it was very depressing. It was very kind of negative about the economy. Bad news for Biden, I guess, but. Is your income keeping up with inflation? 76% said, no, it's not. Uh, compared to your parents, is your standard of living the same, better or worse? 46% said worse. 30 to 64-year-olds, 51% of them say things basically suck. I mean, there's not a lot of, this doesn't sound like a consumer that feels like they're doing well and want to go out and spend. I think that's where a, a lot of us are getting you know, hung up. So do you think that they're just saying that, but actually they have the means to keep propelling the economy, Jim?
1: No, I think what they're saying is what they feel, that they have to spend to keep up, and they are spending to keep up, and that spending that they're doing is um, um, is, what is what is what is propelling the economy forward and has been all year. If you look at the retail sales numbers, um, if you go back to the the end of COVID in April of 2020, right now um, retail sales are 45 percent more mm-hmm. than what they were back in April 2020. Now we were partially locked down then as well too, but on a real basis, they're only about 20 percent more. Now, what am I trying to say here? People are people are buying the same amount of stuff every day, every month, but they have to pay more for it constantly. So they're spending more money, and they don't like it. Now, the mistake that economists, the mistake Wall Street makes is is that we look at year-over-year numbers. And the public thinks about the cumulative change in prices over the last couple of years. And they see everything is way more expensive than it was in 2019 or 2021 or whatever anchor you want to use in the past. And that's what they're unhappy, and that's what they're upset about. In fact, we're so mesmerized by you over year numbers that the somebody in the Biden administration tweeted out, because we know it wasn't Joe, that um, you know, inflation is coming down. So why aren't companies cutting prices? And they got a community note on them that no, when inflation comes down, their prices are still going up. They're just going up by a lesser amount. They're not going down. That's deflation when prices go right. down. So We've kind of lost the narrative here as far as what's been happening. And then what the public sees is what cost me $100 and 21 is costing me nearly $120 today. And I'm spending $120 for today. And that is what's showing up in the spending numbers. But I don't like that I have to spend $120. Right. So they're miserable today. about
0: the situation, but it doesn't mean they're not right. spending, which makes sense. Right. So um, Trulinex asking, and a lot of great questions here. Keep them coming. We'll get through as many as we can. So do you think that SCP and DOTS will be revised up as there is no recession for the next 12 months? Do you think the Fed also believes this and will reflect that in its economic forecast at this meeting?
1: Well, there's two things about the SCP and the DOTS. The SCP is the summary of economic projections, and the DOTS are their interest rate forecast. So yeah, I think that the SCP will show um uh, those are another set of dots for anybody who's not familiar with it it'll just show what they what the fed has been showing there won't be any recession inflation will return to 2% sometime in 2025 or 2026 and uh, the fed will be ready to do a victory lap now that's what they've been saying those that set of dots the other set of dots that we all focus on is what do they say about um, uh, what do they say about the funds rate right now the last dots that we got were in september they update them quarterly showed that, there, that the funds rate would end 2024 at between five and five and a quarter, or there would be one rate cut in, in 24. Now, most likely that will be revised two or three rate cuts, um, and the market is somewhere in around four or five rate cuts um, for 2024 right now. Uh, so, but I'll caution everybody, the dots are useful. The market pricing is useful because it tells you what the Fed thinks. It tells you what the market thinks, uh, but it, that doesn't mean um, that it is uh, what will happen. You know, George Box, um, a statistician, once said, "All models are useless. All models are wrong, but some are useful." And I like to say, you know, all forecasts are wrong, but some are useful. And what, some of these forecasts of where, what does the Fed think? What does the market think? Is kind of useful to know. But just because the Fed says three cuts and the market says five cuts, so don't think, well, I'll split the difference and go with four. That may be the case, but that's often not the case. That what winds up happening during mm-hmm. the year could be wind up very different than what they think. You know, and yeah, they'll the revise it. Thoughts.
0: They pretty much say yes. that they're always following, you know, economic right. conditions. So, Chris asking, hey Jim, what's up with gold, silver? Uh, Answer that, but also what about commodities? Because if you look at commodities, a lot of them, I heard someone talking about today, are down significantly as if they see a recession coming.
1: They do see a recession coming in China is what they see Uh a recession coming. Because remember that the biggest consumer of raw materials, copper, iron, ore, steel, um, you know, and the like is China. And China's economy is not in a good place right now. They've got some real problems. And it's showing up, by the way, it's showing up in their stock market being down, I think, 11% on the year or so. And the Chinese are so out of ideas right now as to what to do about it that they're throwing short sellers in jail. They do that over there. and they're telling um, And they're banning bearish brokerage house re- reports. And they're telling people that work in the financial industry to not display signs of wealth. So leave that expensive watch at home. This is what they're doing in China. That, Like I said, this is what you do when you're completely out of ideas to try and make your market try and go back up again. It's just throw people in jail and say you can't publish uh, negative reports anymore. So they are the big consumer of commodities and it is really struggling, especially on the industrial side as well. Precious metals, gold and silver, uh, let's put silver in the precious metal camp, although it has many industrial applications as well too. They are, uh, as I've argued, What's happened with them is we've created them, that we've turned them into another fiat. Um, What is the purpose of gold or what role did gold historically serve? Now, for my purposes, I'd say if you were ever worried about the financial system or the monetary authority, what do you do with your money? Well, you can't really get it away from them, but you can sort of get it away from them in gold. And that's why in periods of stress like high inflation or deflation or war or anything else, gold performs well well that's because it was supposed to be outside the financial system but well, we've taken gold and brought it in we've got etfs we've got options we've got futures we've got other mm-hmm. derivatives on it um and so it has become part of the financial system so you'll hear people say i'm buying gold because i think the world's going to hell okay how you own it well i own gld so you own a piece of paper in the new york stock exchange that says you've got some gold because you think the world's going to go to hell That ain't going to be worth anything if if your forecast is right. So what happens is gold looks like another fiat currency. It rallies when the yen rallies. It rallies when the euro rallies. It rallies when the British pound rallies. And that's what's been happening with it. It's been going up because the dollar has been weakening. What's the major driver of the dollar weakening? Two things. Um, Europe is still not on board with cutting rates. Japan is still talking about raising rates, and we're talking about big cuts in rates. So our interest rates are going down. Their interest rates will either not go down as fast or, in the case of Japan, might go up. So their currencies are going up. Ours is going down on the interest rate argument. And gold, being like another fiat, is rallying with those other ones. That's not what gold is supposed to be. Like I said, it's supposed to be un. Bitcoin is probably a better measure for this. How do you get your money out of the markets? Bitcoin. What is its correlation hopefully to the dollar? Zero. That's what gold used to be. But then when we brought gold into the fold, we turned it into another fiat currency. And by the way, that's my fear about with with cryptos. I'm very bullish on cryptos, but I'm very hesitant about this whole ETF thing. You're going to bring ET, you're going mm. you're going to bring you're going to bring Bitcoin into the financial system, and you're going to turn it into another version of the euro, and at the end of the day, you've accomplished nothing. It needs to stay independent of the financial system, outside the financial system. But if we're all going to beg that Larry Fink's ETF is going to create adoption and number go up, yes, for a while, and then what happens after that? They own you. They own you. They've got, they'll have got. They'll. put the rules on the ETF. They'll put the rules on the Coinbase brokerage accounts. And they'll be able to tell everybody in the crypto space that you're going to act just like everything else in financials. We're going to need, we're going to need transparency, we're going to need reporting. We're going to need limits on transfers. It's going to be just like another bank account. That's my fear. That's my fear. I hope we don't go down that road. But I get very worried when people are so excited about this Bitcoin ETF coming um, and that it is the panacea that is going to fix everything. I'd like to be wrong on that. But right now, I'm afraid that it's a stopgap that will get you to 50K. But if you want to get beyond that, you need to find people to adopt it away from that mm. ETF and not be the main driver of why prices are going higher.
0: We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing.
3: Ah, uh, mm.
0: Jim, that is so interesting. Such an interesting comment and take on gold as well as Bitcoin and the sort of financialization of our entire economy. Really, really interesting stuff. We're going to be sure to bring that up. We're doing a two-day crypto live academy this week. I'll tell you all more about it and how you can sign up. But that—that um, that is a talking point that we will be sure to tackle there because um, it's a great one and it's not one you're hearing a lot. Um, want to squeeze in this quick question. Um, because we talked about bond yields going up. So if bond yields are headed potentially back to 5.50 on the 10-year, Doug McKern asking, what are you expecting for SPX? Do you expect a Q1 downturn? What will cause it? And how long, how basically far do you think it will drop? Just a typical correction or something more serious?
1: Well, that's a good question. Because what that what, what I'm suggesting is no recession, sticky inflation, bond yields go up. You know, you know, that labor has the advantage over management. So people stay employed, they keep spending money. And that sounds like a bullish scenario for stocks. That mm-hmm. sounds like a bullish scenario for earnings to re- rebound. And it is, except there's a giant offset, and that is higher interest rates. Yep. Now, Dr. Jeremy Siegel just put in up a, a new edition out of his book, his, his fabulous book, Stocks for the Long Run. And in it, you know, I'll summarize it. What is the long-term potential of the stock market? You know, through up and down, and by the way, for the last two years, almost two years ago today, December 11th, 2021, we're like exactly unchanged on the stock market right now. So like your two-year return is zero uh, on the stock market. But over longer cycles like that, you should expect about an 8% return Mm. in the stock market. Okay. In 2019, when money market funds were yielding zero and bonds were offering you 2%, Tino ruled: There is no alternative. You you can't sit around in zero interest rate money funds. You got to put your money in the stock market. Fine. Now, if we're in an environment where five and a half percent is the yield, and that's pretty much where money market funds are now—they're about 5.3, 5.4 right now—you're getting two thirds of the stock market's gain uh, potential with no market risk. You know, your NAV and your money fund is going to be one dollar every day. Um, so, why would I take my money and extend out that final third to get to 8% over a long period of time? That is a difficult question to answer. That's why I think that you saw the stock market wobbling a little bit in the spring and in, I mean, in the summer and into October, into the fall. Uh, it wasn't that it was worried about the economy, it was worried that everybody's going to put their money in a bond fund because I could get most of what the stock market's gonna give me without the risk of the stock market. And so the market desperately needs lower rates. So what's SPX do in my scenario of everything's okay and we got a little bit of sticky inflation? It suffers under the weight of higher rates. How does it resolve that? And here's my other way outside the box uh, uh, argument. I have been for 20 years on the case that stock picking was a dead art form, just buy SPY, or just buy some index or some broad-based ETF. I think that era is coming coming to an end. I know my friend Mike Green disagrees with me on this, Um, but I think where we're going, we're reverting back to a stock picking environment, because if you want me to take that a third of my money or half of my money out of that 5.5% money market fund, you got to offer me something way more than 8%. And by the way, you can't make that argument with the S&P because that's its long-term return is 8%. Mm. So SPY is out. So now you got to start arguing with me about some indices, uh, some sectors or some industry groups. What I'm trying to say is I think we're going to go back to the 80s and 90s stock picking. I think really what it's going to be is you're going to find a manager and he's going to say, I I don't even know where the S&P is. I buy companies that have good potential and I have a track record that can show that. That's the way we used to pick managers in the 80s and 90s before the whole ETF boom started coming. So in a bottom line, Maggie, you might remember him. Peter Lynch can come out of retirement. We need him again right now. (laughs) Now (laughs) I was going to say, what you're
0: saying is music to some people's ears, I think. Uh, Right,
1: right. Peter Lynch is probably worried
0: about the blind, you know, just throw it in a. So wait a second. You have, you mentioned Wisdom Tree, you have an ETF coming out.
1: Yes, I do. Thank you for mentioning it. Uh, uh, the twentieth we're going to be uh, is going to be the release date on the Wisdom Tree Bianco Total Return Fund. It is a fixed income ETF that is going to track my index that I've created, which is the Bianco Research Total Return Index. It is a broad-based bond market index that we will tilt. Through, the, through our process of trying to weight it so it will outperform all of the other bond indices out there. Now, with that said, marketing material, the website and everything else about it will be out later this week. And right. early so it's next week- a
0: teaser, week, it's a teaser. Yes, early
1: next week, I'll do some Twitter spaces and I'll have some more stuff about this. And the 20th is when it's going to be coming. So it is an alternative for people that have their money in the bond market, it is an alternative than just owning the index. And mm. lastly, I'm bearish on bonds. So why am I bringing out an ETF if I'm bearish on bonds? Because it's, because bonds have a yield. As my friend Jim Grants likes to say, it's nice to run a newsletter called Grants Interest Rate Observer when there's an interest rate to observe again. <laughs> and so we do have an interest rate to observe again. That needs to be managed, that yield. That 5% yield needs to be managed so that you can preserve that yield and maybe get some capital gain on top of that. So that's why I believe that it is precisely because it is a bear market that the approach of my index trying to weight it and tilt it so that it will outperform the market is better. And Wisdom Trees ETF will track that index.
0: Well, awesome. Congratulations. And we're looking forward to hearing more about it because I tell you that bond trade just about killed everybody uh, in Mm. 23. Oh, 22 too. And it looks like it could be, if you're right, a tough one in 24 as well. So we all need all the help we can get on that. Thank you crazy stuff. Jim, it was so great to catch up with you. I know I didn't get to all of your questions, folks, but we had so many. Um, We just didn't have time for all of them. But we'll continue, we'll continue on this theme all week. Of course, we're going to be talking about inflation and the Fed. So roll up with them uh, again tomorrow and we'll get them to the next guest. Jim, always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good and, day. And just a programming note, everybody, before you go, I mentioned before we have the two-day Crypto Academy live event. Beth Kendig, Chris Bullock, Wes Cohen, Denise Shull, Raoul, and Julian Biddle are all going to be doing it. It's free. Members in Crypto Academy students get immediate access. Non-members just need to create a free account at realvision.com forward slash get ready. Here's Raoul with some more.
3: As you know, crypto is on the bull run. We're transitioning from crypto spring to crypto summer. It's when things get exciting, but it's when everybody loses their minds. And your one job in a gift of a bull market is not to fuck this up. So one of the key ways of not doing that is to educate yourself. And we passionately believe in education at Real Vision. And one of the things we're doing for you, which is absolutely free, is we've got Real Vision's Crypto Academy live which is two days of programming to help you not fuck it up. And I think you're going to find it really valuable. And again, it's free. If you're interested in joining us and leveling up your knowledge, ready for the crypto bull market so you don't fuck it up, then join us, realvision.com forward slash get ready. It's as simple as that. It's free. You get everything that you want. If you are a Real Vision member, you get this already, so you don't need to do anything. Also, if you are a Crypto Academy member... Um, It's also included in your package, so you don't need to worry about that. Anyway, realvision.com forward slash get ready and don't fuck this up.
0: Join over 5,000 attendees for the largest AI event in Asia, Super AI in Singapore, June 5th and 6th, 2024. Edward Snowden, Benedict Evans, Balaji Srinivasan, and over 150 others will hit the stage, joining the industry's most influential to explore and unveil the next wave of transformative AI technologies. Singapore will become a vibrant AI hub for a full week from June 3rd to the 9th, with over 150 side events that will make for unparalleled networking opportunities. Visit superai.com for 20% off tickets with the code REALVISION. Look for the link in the description. (sweak) Thank <sweak> you.